Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. Hub24 is on a mission to empower advisors to deliver better financial futures for their clients. They're dedicated to customer service excellence and delivering innovative product solutions that create value for advisors and their clients. These are just some of the reasons why advisors rate them number one for overall satisfaction and why their managed portfolio solution has been rated best in market five years running. Hub24 believes nothing happens in isolation. So they're working together with advisors, licensees, and industry leaders to leverage their data and technology expertise to help solve key challenges in the delivery of financial advice so more Australians can access cost-effective advice. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I'm joined by Kevin Smith. G'day, Kevin. G'day, Fraser. How are you? Tremendous. Thank you for asking. Uh, welcome to the show. Now, uh, we, we managed to catch up uh, in person uh, in South Australia not so long ago uh, as the borders yes. were available to be opened, and I think uh, I think Queensland have opened up now. But um, thank you for coming on. Uh, you've got a really been interesting business model, which I want to explore, but... Um, Actually, just, let's, let's just quickly give you a quick overview of that current business model. Yeah, um, so I've run a business called Pension Services um, and what we essentially do is we deal with Centrelink um, and aged care matters on behalf of clients. So it sort of sits, it does sit outside the advice realm. Um, I did come from an advice background, um, but it's more an admin service, completing paperwork, following up with Centrelink and just um, picking the fight when we need to pick the fight with Centrelink and, and having some wins. Yeah, now we're, we'll get into how this happened in a second, but obviously that's a pretty valuable service for clients, um, both uh, you know, for financial advisors and accountants and, and other professionals and, and a lot of people going through the pain. I love the way um, you call yourself on your LinkedIn profile, a Centrelink stress remover as your your job t- title. I think that's a, yeah. a great way to put it. Uh, let's go back in time. Tell us about your journey. You, um, you started off uh, as an advisor, but tell us how you got into advice in the first place. Oh, advice, I think, was really a little bit of dumb luck to a certain degree. Um, I initially, I left school, I finished university and didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, moved overseas and, and worked for some big institutions, um, State Street, and done a lot of settlements for them and uh, done a lot of back-end office for them and didn't enjoy being stuck in an office all day. Um, after a while, I came back to Australia, um, landed a job with BT at the time. Um, and done some of their reconciliation, some of their margin lending just before the GFC. And, you know, they weren't worried about, you know, let's write off $20 million on the reconciliation. Nothing's going to happen to the market. And that was probably 2006, 2005. Um, And then got an opportunity uh, 2007 to join CBA with their graduate program. So done that for a while. Um, Within nine months, they're like, you're an advisor, away you go. Um, And learned very quickly how to become an advisor, uh, moved to country Victoria for a couple of years. Um, and that was my journey into advice and it grew from there. Um, so I was with big institutions for most of my career, all my career, and it worked 
really well. I probably, oh well, I did leave the industry uh, two years ago from that perspective. I got an opportunity to leave and I wasn't really confident, I guess, in where advice was sort of going. I wasn't happy with all the changes that were continuously happening. I'd been through FIFO, I'd been through this, I'd been through that, I'd been through removal of commissions and all the rest of it, which were all good things for clients. But I was finding it was getting harder and harder just to provide good, simple advice um, to clients. And I was also finding that clients were having struggles with simple things. You know, uh, we had a lot of clients that struggled with budgeting, cash flow. We had a lot of clients that struggled and just struggling to deal with Centrelink. Um, so I got the opportunity to leave advice in June 2009 and took it. June 2019? 19, yes, sorry, yes. 19. Yep. Yeah, yeah, two years yep. ago. Yep. And sort of explored what I was going to do. Um, and that's been sort of that. And I guess from that journey, I went in and done a lot of more financial coaching. So around setting people budgets, holding them accountable to that budget, which was more so probably more important than the actual budget itself was just that accountability and, and kicking their butt on sort of a monthly basis. Um, yep. And that was going well. We've done a little bit of corporate um financial health as well so we went to a couple of businesses and said hey this is what we can do this we can help your clients and that worked well and then COVID hit and everything sort of shut down very quickly um yeah so this is a, i just want to explore this part a little bit more so you you left um becoming uh, your private client advisor i think it probably ipac at that time yep. um then uh you decided to start your own business tell me about that moment where you decided to go out on your own and, and have your own business yeah, I'd, I'd always wanted to run my own business. Um, from my perspective, I'd always wanted that experience. Um, and I sort of, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. Um, so what actually happened is I, I actually put my name into an incubator um, through Hub Australia, not yep. Hub 24, but Hub Australia yep. and one of the local universities. And they put me through a three-month incubator. And it was all about how to start, how to grow your business. They provided some office space for 12 months um, and they put us through this course about just validating your ideas and, and seeing what works and I found that really useful um, from my perspective it was a great grounding and it also taught you look if you can validate your idea run with it if it's working keep going if it's not you don't have to be married to it yeah it's a it's a it's a, a fail fast type concept with a with any particular startup you, you trial and error you try and test and you test and you measure and you move uh you agile you sort of go okay great well that part's not working what is who's going to buy and, uh, and and everything's around don't build too much right just build enough to to, to find a paying customer correct um and that's we were getting some traction with financial coaching it was working but it wasn't growing at a great speed um, and I guess I came from it where I knew I had a certain runway and I was looking at that runway down the barrel and I was sort of like, oh, I've got six months to go. COVID sort of pulled a few contracts. Um, and what I actually done is I actually put up a couple of videos around, hey, this is what JobKeeper is, this is what JobSeeker is, when that all sort of came out, put it on YouTube, put it on Facebook and said to people, look, if you're having trouble, book a link in Madara, here's the calendar link, bang, away you go. And within a couple of days, I had 10 appointments in Madara. I'm like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now? You know, like that was the, okay, I've got appointments in Madara. And everyone's like, how do I deal with Centrelink? Can't do this, can't do that. I'm like, come on, it's not that hard. Like, it is, but it's not. I dealt with Centrelink for clients for, you know, the best part of 13, 14 years. Knew, not inside out, but had a good enough um, background, I guess, with advice and been able to read the legislation and say, this is what the rules are. This is where it sits. This is where it isn't. Um, so help those clients. And then I guess that background and, and the course that I'd done through um, 
Flinders University, I sort of poked the bear a little bit just to see what was there. Um, and I went to a couple of advisors I knew and said, hey, do you enjoy dealing with this? And they're like, no, nah, absolutely not. And it was probably a little bit more uh, animated than that. And there was a few F-bombs in there. Um, and then I went to a few accountants and said, look, do you know what's going on here? Do you know about this? Do you want to be dealing with this? They're like, absolutely not. We don't want to touch it. Um, and so I was like, okay, there's something there. And then one of the advisors phoned me back the next week and said, hey, I've got your first client for you. Yeah. Um, and that was it. Yeah. You've got to love the test and measure. And, and you're absolutely right about those, you know, the Centrelink, you know, there it is a, it's a very rules focused business. I, it's not a business, I guess. It's a very rules focused organization. So if you know the rules, then you pretty much, you know, you know the entitlements and you're able to, to work your way around it. Yeah, correct. And that's, and that's what we just do is, you know, if you know the rules, you can play the game and it's like anything, right? Like it's, it's no different to when you're in advice. If you know the rules, you can play the game. Um, and that's that's where we came from is we're just like, well, if we don't know, we'll pull the legislation, we'll read the legislation, and then we'll start pushing back. And we've had some really good wins on that as well um, around mistakes, around debts, around, you know, challenging them when they think they're right or they've made the wrong decision. Um, and it's worked really well and clients like it. Um, yeah. So it's been good. I think one of the keys here is that you're approaching this from an analytical point of view. You know, you're not, not the emotional seat that the client's in. Absolutely. Yeah, and so you're able to go, well, I can see this fact and that fact and the other fact, and I can also then use my skill as a, 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 you know, that you developed as a planner to be able to then relate to the client on their emotional level. And, and, and you, you're working as that translator, I guess, that uh, maybe people in Centrelink can't quite get yet. Correct, and it's it's still, like I guess from my perspective, it's my client, right? So I'm still looking after them. I've got their best interests in terms of what the best outcome for them is. And it's not just another number, whereas I think sometimes it can, if you're in a call center, it could just be another number. You know, it's somebody else on the phone, whereas at least I've got pushing for them um, to get the right outcome. And and that's good. And so essentially your financial coaching business just morphed in this very short space of time into this new, um, you know, this the supply of something that, that, that there was a demand for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to the extent where we have essentially wound it all up. Um, I think the website's probably still there, but that's about it. Um, in terms of taking on clients, bits and pieces, we don't do it anymore. It's all the demand and I guess the need for this sort of service is that high um, that we're finding it's just too busy to run two of them at this yep. point in time. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, and so tell us about when that was. Like how, You mentioned COVID hit, um, there was the demand. How, how quickly did you then pivot your offering to, to now becoming a new new business? I reckon I registered the name. And I. it's funny because I made that mistake and I don't know if it's a mistake or if it's – I thought I knew where the market was. And I, I, I guess I registered the name, I think, the first week of May 2020. And I assumed it was going to be all the oldies. You know, that was my assumption and that's where I figured it would be. So I figured it was going to be all the 65-year-olds or 66-year-olds coming up to age pension, too stressed about it. Somebody else would do it. And so the name the name was Pension Services? Correct, yeah. And so I figured, well, you know, it makes sense. You can't use Age Pension. You can't use Centrelink in there. Pension Services sort of works. And that was the initial couple of clients. And then people said, oh, can you deal with this? Yeah, we can. You know, we can deal with a job seeker claim. Can you claim, can you help us with family tax? Yes, we can. Um, and so it's just evolved from there, which eventually we'll probably have to rebrand or change it or something like that. But that's not a focus at the moment. It's just keep doing what we're doing and do it well. 
Yeah, well, the name's certainly not putting people off at the moment, I guess. No, it's not. Absolutely not. Yeah. And so your model is to then uh, work with other professionals that refer you clients? Yep. So we work with we work with a lot of advisors, accountants, um, lawyers, especially estate planning lawyers. There's a lot of complexity around that where here's what the rules are. You go and give the advice to the client. You know, if you need us to help implement it, you know, I had a lawyer um, recently who came to me and she's like, look, I've got this aged care entry form. I've spent six hours on it and I can't build the client for that. I'm like, well, give it to us. I said, we can actually get what the client's record is in Centrelink, make sure it's up to date, and then it's a simple form. It's not that hard. Oh, well, I spent five hours on it. I'm like, well, that was a waste of time, right? And you can't bill for that. So it's a much simpler solution when you're doing it day in, day out. You know what you're looking for. You know the questions to ask, and you know when you're not getting necessarily the right answer as well. Yeah, I want to get into that in a minute, but um, you mentioned there that you become a an authorised person, I guess, on their account. Yeah, so we go in as um, a nominee for the client, so it's a correspondence nominee in most cases. Sometimes we'll use permission to inquire, just depending, and then we've got the ability to interact on the client's behalf. So dealing with any questions Centrelink have got, doing any updates on the client's account, completing any applications for the client, we can do all that, and then we can go in and push them and make sure that, hey, it's moving in the right direction or it's moving in the expected direction. Yeah, and you mentioned that... Um it, you know, you can you can push where you know it's wrong. Or there's, the, I mean, the, the, at the end of the day, I think Centrelink's probably like every other organisation. It's full of human beings, um, and and they may or may not have been trained properly, and they may not, they may be new or, or all sorts of other things. So they don't always get it right. Uh, no, uh, you, you must see some things. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I think when the pandemic hit, I know here in Adelaide, one of the um, outsourced IT um, providers went and hired two or 300 people out north and two or 300 people down south and essentially put them in a call center and said, answer the phone. Gave them two weeks training on, here's how to Google the answer in the internal systems, but didn't give them any real training and payments. So they were sort of flying a little bit blind and saying, no, you're not eligible for this or no, you're not eligible for that. Um, so yeah, so there was instances where we've found that, you know, debts have been raised that shouldn't have been raised. Um, I had one recently where they've dragged a client's um, rent assistance up from three, four years ago and said, well, that's a debt. You shouldn't have been claiming rent assistance because you're living on the boat and the company paid it. And we're like, well, the client gave you all the right forms. He'd done all the right declarations. You can't then come back and say, hey, just because the accountants claimed it as well, you know, it wasn't the client's decision, it's been an accounting decision and they sort of agreed and turned around and said, well, we can wipe that five grand straight off, um, which is a good outcome for the client. Um, we've had a couple other cases where they've said, yes, you're entitled to this, pay the benefit, come back and said, oh, actually, we made a mistake. And we're like, well, you've raised the debt too late. There's some parameters around when the debt can be raised and what sort of notification period there should be and all the rest of it. You've raised it too late. We think it should be taken off um, and away we go. And they have been doing that. So it's been good. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We, we talk about the value of advice so often uh, in financial advice and you know the value of having somebody that go into bat for you um, with the Centrelink. Uh, I think it's, it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty big piece of the puzzle. <laughs> Yeah, it's massive. Like I had one of the accountants that initially I spoke to, she said, oh, look, I've got a client. All she wants when COVID hit is the $750. She wants the $750 payment so she can buy a new shoes and new handbag. And so we went through the whole process and I said, oh, I said, look, I think the client's entitled to a bit more than $750. Bucks. Let's, I said to the client, are you happy with me just to not play with it, but put in a couple of different claims and see how it goes. And the client said, yeah, just do what you need to. Um, 
and so they Centrelink turn around and convincing somebody Centrelink that somebody has a negative taxable income is actually really hard. <laughs> it doesn't match the computer. You can't put a negative in. They just don't understand it. So we computer have to overcome says that. No. Yeah, computer says no. All right. So we have to overcome that, and we got around that. And I said to the client, "Look, it's getting close. It's getting close. We're just waiting on a couple of things." And eventually, so they turned around and paid the family tax benefit for nineteen twenty when she hadn't done a tax return on the Friday. I'm like, guys, you can't do this. She hasn't done a tax return. We don't want the money yet. I'm claiming eighteen nineteen. She's in financial distress for her. So they've paid her fifteen thousand dollars on the Friday for family tax for nineteen twenty. I've given them a rocket on the Friday afternoon saying, You've screwed this all up. You need to fix this. And so they've dropped another fifteen and a half thousand dollars into her account on the Sunday. And she's like, shit, Kevin, what do I do with this? I said, look, they might call some of it back. Let's just wait and see what your taxes turn out. I said, just stick it in the offset. Um, but this same client then got knocked back for job seeker, and we appealed that and somebody hadn't done the data entry right. And then within a couple of months, I said, oh, we'll slowly take this. How quickly you need the money? She said, oh, it's not urgent now. I've got the other money. Um, and then she got a whole heap of back pay for the job seeker. So she picked up another... $21,000, $22,000. So in the space of probably nine months, maybe 10 months, she picked up about 50-odd thousand, which she was entitled to and, and all the rest of it and made a massive difference in her life. Um, and stuff like that's pretty rewarding. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty amazing story. And obviously, you know, there's, uh, there is the fact that there's, there's obviously a reason why she needs that money in the first place. Yep. But uh, did that client come from you from an advisor or for a, a- from an accountant? Yep. Yep, from an accountant that just was like, I don't have time to learn. I don't know how to do it. Can you just manage it for us? Yeah, and I take it that accountant's referring you plenty more clients? Yes. Yeah, and we get plenty of their – we get a lot of their complex stuff. So a lot of their stuff where there's trusts involved or companies involved and it adds more work to the actual claim. Um, and it probably – a lot of clients don't go through the process because they think it's too hard. I'll just leave. I'll just spend what I've got. So yeah, so that client, that accountant sent us a lot more work along those lines um, where we're wow. dealing with pretty complex clients. And and what's your what's your um, business model? Do you charge then for that initial work or just per work or is it um, – how, how do you then create a business model around charging uh, clients? So I just took – I tried to figure it out the fairest way to clients, you know, and that was that's probably been the hardest thing for me to figure out is where where's the fairness and how do you charge because – I don't get a magic number to Centrelink, unfortunately. So I still have the queues and the team, like some of the people that do some work for me still have the 45-minute waits on hold and all the rest of it. So we just have to manage that. I guess the biggest thing is we, we deal with five or 10 cases at a time. So it makes it a little bit easier. Um, so we just went down the, here's the flat fee. This is what we're going to charge. And away we go and see what see what sticks. Um, and it has stuck. Um, we've nine times out of 10 where making money on it yes there's the occasional case where it blows out of the water because something's come out of left field or you know there's been an incorrect decision made or something like that but we've just stuck to hey here's the flat fee it's fair and equitable and away we go from there um and when we look at different pricings then we start saying well this is a bit more complex there's more forms here we need to charge more for that and i think in the last 18 months i've had two clients have said no i don't want to pay the fee that's fine you know, there's been no real pushback in terms of, hey, it's too expensive or anything like that. Yeah, I think um, I think the fees just uh, related to their level of stress and and uh, absolutely 
yep. more so than their level of uh, return. Yeah, correct. Yeah, it's not it's not significant. You know, we're charging um, sort of simple age pension applications. We're charging six hundred and sixty dollars. You know, so it's not huge amounts of money. I speak to, you know, there's a couple of advisors locally that have been sending me a fair bit of business and they say, look, for us to even touch that, it's nine ninety. There's a couple of others that are saying it's $1,100 because it's there's different cost layers um, yep. and different things they've got to factor into. So if we can do it at a reduced cost and be an outsource provider to an advisor or an accountant or just be a direct referral um, arrangement, then that's great. It makes sense. So if you're spending 45 minutes on a wait time to, to get hold of a, a human on the other end of the phone, uh, I'm assuming if you get hold of a good one, then you're you're spending the rest of the day on the phone to that person talking through all of your cases? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So it's um, I had somebody a couple of weeks ago up in, I think it was up in Toowoomba, and it was one of the processing centers. And I was like, look, I just need this fixed and this fixed. And I'm like, I've got one more. And she's like, what is that? You've said that five times now. I'm like, yeah, but I've just got one more. And so within an hour and a half, I was able to knock off about 10 cases. And I was like, look, this is what the situation is. This has been put into complex assessments. It shouldn't be there. Can you pull it back? She's like, oh, yeah, it shouldn't be there. I'm like, cool. Let's not wait three months for it to be rejected. So it does make a massive impact who you get on the phone. And that's sometimes the biggest challenge is some of those people at the other end of the phone don't necessarily know. And that's okay. Like, it's not okay, but it is okay. You've just got to sort of hang up and, and yeah, we'll go again and see what happens. Um, I had somebody just recently and uh, like, it's not my money, right? Like it's my business, but it's not my money. And I guess this goes back to what you were talking about around the emotion. And I said, we've got this claim in clients earned 78 grand last year. They're entitled to a pension. Both of them are still, we're still working at this point in time. And she said, no, no, they're over the income limit. I said, okay. So the income limit if they're working is about 90000 And she said, oh, no, no, they're still over the limit. She said, do you need to start, put a new application? I said, no, I don't. I said, I can I can do an appeal. I said, I want to lodge an appeal. No, you can't. You've got to do a new application. I'm like, no, no, no. Can you just please lodge an appeal? She's like, you're getting aggressive on the phone with me. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is just me talking. Like, I'm not getting aggressive. I'm just telling you you're wrong. And she's like, look, I'm going to terminate the call now. <laughs> Sure. No worries. And she eventually hung up on me and I went, okay, fine. Picked up the phone. Hey, and it was somebody in the same call center. I said, hey, look, I've just got off the phone somebody. I want to lodge this appeal. This is what's going on. It's financial hardship. I need this moved quickly. And sure enough, I got a phone call on the Tuesday. Yep, we're processing this. I don't understand why they rejected it. This client's always been eligible. I said, yeah, that's what my numbers said. And that's what the legislation says, but they've just knocked it out of the park. No, 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 we'll get it processed. And literally they turned around um, and paid the client essentially the next day. Um, it was about five grand each in back pay, you know? So if the client had been navigating them, that themselves, a lot of clients would just give up, you know? And that's what we find is I've tried two or three times to get this. I'm struggling with this. And they just send out a letter saying, no, there's no reason. And then they give up. Um, whereas we try and push and say, well, why is it, what's the reason, you know, one at the moment seems to be, I've got a couple of clients that we're putting care as allowance and care payments in, and all of a sudden they want to ID mum and dad who might be 80, 85, and they're just rejecting it without saying, hey, saying it's optional ID, actually it's mandatory to ID mum and dad now, and they're just saying a letter, hey, it's been rejected. There's no other further information, um, and clients say, well, I'll just give up. Yeah, to, to, uh, coming back to this, um, you mentioned the word struggle. Uh, yep. That that level of stress is can, can be out of proportion to the the logical side of it. Um, when somebody thinks or, or gets a letter from the government, essentially yep. um, saying no. Yeah, correct, absolutely. Like the 
the stress levels that the clients have and for us just to say, don't worry about it, we've got it, it's fine, or we've already, you know, in a lot of cases, we'll get the letter a week before the client gets it because we'll get them electronically. And the client will phone up and freak out and be like, hey, this letter's just come. And I'm like, don't worry, we've already taken care of it. Just rip it up, throw it in the bin. What do you mean? I'm like, remember, we asked you for this two weeks ago? Yeah, we've already dealt with this. Just file it. But they said this, so it's already dealt with. Don't worry about it. So it's... It is valuable from that from that client um, side of things. It's very valuable to them, and we always sort of say, you know, look, you can go and do this yourself. You know, you can go and do this yourself. You're eligible. Go and do it. You can go and do it. And nine times out of ten, the reaction comes back of, no, I don't want to deal with them. If you can deal with it and pay for that, if that pain point can be removed, um, then very quickly they're happy um, to pay for it, and away we go. You know, we'll. In a lot of cases, we book appointments for our clients. If they've got to go and get ID'd, let's not go and sit them in Centrelink for an hour and a half, two hours, waiting for them to be called. When you're available, let's book an appointment in, lock the appointment in, confirm it with the client. They're in and out in 20 minutes. It's a great experience because they've had that versus Joe on the street that walks in and says, hey, I've got this pension paperwork and sits there for an hour and a half and just looks at it and thinks, what do I do? You know, Um, I'll never forget when I first started advising one of the advisors that I worked with, he said, oh, this is up in Mildura. He said, oh, you ever go to the, t- the toilets in Centrelink? I said, no, why would I go to the toilets in Centrelink? He says, when you do, just go and check the lights out. I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, they're all blue lights. I'm like, why are they blue lights in Centrelink? He said, so that, they can't, so that people that are going into claim can't go and shoot up while they're sitting there waiting for the paperwork to be done. <laughs> I'm like, hell. They can't see their veins if the blue lights are on, you know, like it was one of those things. And I'm just like, that's not the way it should be, right? That's not a great experience. That's the level of the customer service yeah, interaction. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We we don't want our people, our clients shooting up on, the, on their way in. Yeah. yeah, good, good, good. Great call. <laughs> um, so from your point of view, from your business point of view, you're really taking uh, people from that moment of struggle and, you know, upset or fear factor uh, and relieving this risk, that must feel uh, good from your point of view. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. And the reward and just um, the release of anxiety that can, you know, sometimes it is hard because clients expect it to be done tomorrow and I'm still dealing with a government organisation, right? Like in the middle of the pandemic, I was finding that pension applications were getting processed in two weeks. You know, it was just bang. that We had people in processing. The last sort of six weeks since Melbourne and Sydney have been in lockdown, Pension applications have slowed right to the bottom. You know, they've been processing the COVID payments and disaster payments and all those sorts of things first, and they've been prioritizing stuff. So that level of frustration is there with clients. We try and set those expectations that, hey, if you've got a trust, it's going to be three months at least before somebody picks it up, but it might be six months, you know, because it's complex assessments. It's a black hole. We can't get into them. We can jump up and down as much as we want, but we're not going to get to speak to somebody Um in complex assessments to deal with any of this. Um, they'll phone us when they're ready. And they do. You know, they will phone and say, hey, about this case, this is what it is, and away we go from there. But the the level of satisfa- satisfaction is really good and the ability just to remove that stress. You know, we do – we're finding more and more we're getting people coming to us with aged care entry paperwork. And it's a hugely stressful time because mum and dad – mum and or dad is going into aged care and they're like, I've seen – the place we need to organize this can you do this paperwork for us and just get it taken away because they've just given us 26 pages and we don't know how to do it um we can take a guess but we're not sure if we get it wrong 
Um, and we've had a few where people have got it wrong. People haven't done it. Um, I had one the other day where, you know, the, the son's pretty busy. He works for AFP and they've obviously had a busy two years. He said, look, I just haven't got around to this paperwork. I've been back and forth and I think we filled something out at, wrong at one stage. And they ticked a box somewhere that said they had a life interest in their own house, which they didn't. They just owned the house. Um, and so it led to this sort of 18 months of backwards and forwards with Centrelink. And in the meantime, they just said, well, mum's going to pay the $255 a day, you know, the maximum fee for aged care. We've jumped in, said, look, it'll take us a while to fix and we've got to wait for quarterly reviews and this, that and the other. But they picked up a $43,500 refund on aged care fees. So that makes a big difference to a client situation. Wow. That's incredible. Great stories, aren't they, that can come out of this? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned um, sort of setting expectations is a big part of this. You know, when you when you first meet with someone, you can say to them, the rules are this, but it's going to take three months at this particular point in time to you're really setting that expectation that then again calms people and says, okay, well, we know the rules are X. We're probably going to get back paid. We're going to be okay with this. And- Correct. Yep, absolutely. Um yeah, we have to, um, is probably the biggest thing, is, is setting that expectation up front because I think, well, and there's, you know, we have to correct a few of those expectations. Yeah, And it's not just around claim time, but one of the big ones we find is that Centrelink can see what's in my bank account. Yeah, classic clients, oh, but they can see what's in my bank account. No, they can't. There's still privacy. There's still this. There's still that. But there's that expectation of, well, Centrelink know what I have. It's the government. They know everything. No, they don't. You know, you go from two different extremes. We've got some clients that are, uh, I've got one or two that are sort of tinfoil hat wearing people that don't trust anything, can't disclose anything. I'm like, well, we can't deal with that. If you're not going to disclose it to us, we just, we're not part of this, right? Like, no way. And I've got others that, yeah, the government can see everything. They, they know what my tax is. The, the ATO can see this. Centrelink know that. And I'm like, they can get the data, but it takes a process. It takes time. It doesn't get picked up straight away. Yeah. But yeah, it's re- it is really important to set those expectations. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, in, in a lot of cases, um, claims that have gone in favour of the client. Um, but of course, that's not always the case. There's There's, there's got to be um, cases where people are coming to you because they, you know, uh, they have raised a debt or there's a debt to be paid or they don't want to, or they need to, they need to fall on their sword in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there is times when we look at claims and we're like, look, we don't think it's going to get up. And generally... I'll say to clients, we're happy to do a little bit of work and do it pro bono and have a look at it and see if there is something we can do. If there's not, we're not going to charge you. You know, I had somebody that's um, in New South Wales trying to claim for a pension um, and he didn't tell us the whole truth, I guess is probably what happened in the background. We're like, yeah, yeah, you can get a pension. There's no issue. And what sort of worked out through the course of it, and we took it through to complaints and this, that, and the other, is he'd had a fairly substantial compensation payment within 18 months that he didn't disclose to us. And that precluded him for X amount of time because it was a replacement of income and all the rest of it. And it was a tough situation. We had local MP onto us and this, that, and the other. And we're like, look, this guy's just received 250000 18 months ago. You know, like, that's a lot of money. And he can't substantiate where it's gone. He's still renting. He's still doing these sorts of things. If he can give me some receipts, then we can start working on it. And that was sort of Centrelink's argument, but he couldn't fabricate anything or he couldn't not fabricate, but he couldn't produce anything to support it. And we eventually said to the client, look, unless you can actually provide us some support and a leg to stand on, we can't fight this. And we try to be smart. So I guess with a lot of the other work we do, I'm finding we're doing a lot of carers payments, carers allowance stuff. 
we've sort of built a tool that we can pre-assess clients and figure out where they sort of sit just using basic sort of um, software and spreadsheets and bits and pieces like that. But we can essentially say, yes, you're going to be eligible for a carer's allowance. Yes, you're going to be eligible for a carer's payment. And it takes away that whole process of let's jump in, do a whole heap of work, go to doctors, get this done, get that done, wait six weeks, and then it's rejected. So we've been pretty clever like that just to figure out what the legislation says, figure out how they score it, build a tool to help us to make us more efficient. I love a good spreadsheet tool. How good how good are spreadsheets uh, when you good. create little ca- calculators and you can and you can just say to people, oh, there's there's an answer, and, and uh, people think you're incredible. Yeah. Um, now the uh, there has been a lot of disruption for Centrelink, obviously with COVID and payments and lockdowns here, there, and everywhere, and new rules coming in and uncertainty, and then not knowing how long that's going to be for, and 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 so ha- what sort of strain has that put on Centrelink as far as um in, as you mentioned trying to get these in you know, the complex assessments done. Oh, it's been immense. Like it's pushed a lot of the complex stuff out a bit. I think it's getting better now, but it was putting a lot of pressure on some of those case officers, you know, and it, you don't put them on a pedestal, but they're sort of these, oh yeah, they're one of these rare breeds that you speak because they've got to be an accountant to read these financials in a lot of cases, or they've got to have that knowledge and it's not just the average person. So what we were finding was happening was, uh, the simple ones were going through fairly quickly. Anything that went to complex, they were just getting a huge volume. So that was what was pushing it out to sort of three, six months. And then they'd ask for inf- more information, then it'd go back into the queue. So that was the frustrating bit for a lot of people, I think. Um, it is getting better, um, but it's slow. It's slow. It's still slow. Yeah. And and do you see uh, your business continuing down that pension line or do you think you're getting it so much more with carer payments and family tax benefits and stuff? I think we'll still pick up all sorts of areas. It's funny because word of mouth's amazing in terms of your clients. Um, and, you know, we've had a number of clients where I've got one at the moment that's sitting on my desk and we're sort of helping through and he's like, well, look, we've got married. I've got a company this is what the situation is. We've got two separate houses. They've just given me a hundred pages worth of documentation to fill out. I don't know what I'm doing. The accountant doesn't want to do it. Can you at least get it through? And again, setting that expectation of, hey, look, I can look at your financials pretty quickly. You're going to have to pay some of this back or if not all of it, let's start hiding it away. I'm not hiding it away. Let's start putting it in the bank and just sitting it there so that if and when the debt does come, you can pay it and away you go. I'm comfortable with most of the stuff to do with Centrelink, with the exception of child support. <laughs> I think everyone asks me, can you do that? I'm like, no, I think it's a hiding to nothing. And I think it's a lot more dealing with Centrelink sort of emotional here level. Dealing with child support, I think it's up about there um, in terms of people paying, people receiving, not knowing how the formulas work. And then, you know, the child support agency, which is run by Services Australia, doesn't have the best reputation and can be seen as ruthless at times. Yeah. and and uh, And... People are looking for explanations that you might not be able to give. Correct. Uh, so just uh, look on the amount of information and, uh, and knowledge, as you said, you know, you've been through many years of, of dealing and looking at it. Did, did you find that uh, was a difficult process to get your head around all that sort of legislation and what the rights and stuff were? Or do you think it's actually a little lot bit, bit easier than what people think? I think if you've got the time, it's relatively easy. It's probably there has been a steep learning curve with a couple of little things where something's been thrown out well that doesn't make sense why are you asking for that or you know it's just been unexpected but then you learn from that you know i had a client pass away which is fine but we we're doing some work for him and then all of a sudden that cancels our nominee status and so it sort of 
ground everything to a halt and they said, oh, look, you can do this, get a letter signed by power of attorney, and uh, not power of attorney, executor, and away you go. And you go to somebody else and it's that same classic thing. Two people tell you two different answers, you know. And so that there's learnings that we've sort of put together and, and started building out sort of here's how the process works so that we know for next time, hey, if that person dies, we've got to pull up stumps. You know, we can't do any more or we need the executor to do the phoning. Um, we can provide all the information, but we can't get any further than than that. Yeah, it becomes a new engagement with the executor to give them the update and what we can or can't do. And uh, yeah, all right, correct. Okay. Yeah, so then, um, so as your business grows, and uh, I'll ask you about that in a second, but as your business is, uh, is getting more mature, are you getting more and more of a knowledge bank yep. of um, what you need to have and know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And we're trying to make it easier on ourselves, I guess, from that perspective. So we run a lot of process stuff. So we use a lot of like Google sites, recorded videos. This is how we do it. This is what needs to be done. Um, so that you've got it there for later. Or, hey, this is what's happened. This is a complex case. Bang, bang, bang. Here's the issues that we faced. So that the hardest thing is I don't want everything stuck up in my head. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that sole practitioner that has got all the knowledge, but it's also the biggest bottleneck in the business. Yeah, really good call if you want to look at scaling, which I'll ask you about in a second. But tell me about that, um, getting that information out of your head in, in using video. Yeah, so a lot of loom and a lot of loom um, to just get it out and then just building out processes around it. You know, simple things like um, if somebody's to walk in, you know, we're talking to a couple of interns and bits and pieces at the moment, but here's how you fill out the basic form here's where this number needs to go, here's where that, and it is fairly straightforward. But if there's a resource there, it's not 15 questions, hey, Kevin, how do I do this? Hey, Kevin, how do I do that? Here's the video, check that resource. If it doesn't fit in this box, come and ask me. And I think it's that thing of you need to get out of that mindset of being a technician and trying to do it all the time and start thinking, well, am I going to be a business owner and should I be doing the same thing twice or three times or four times or can I find a better way that, I should be concentrating on, hey, this is the technical bit where I'm really valuable. Let's find other people to do. Yeah, in twelve months' time, I can't. In twelve months' time, I can't be sitting on the phone for the amount of hours that we sit on the phone just now. You know, I've spent. Yep. I think I said to my wife the other day, I've spent five hundred and seventy odd hours on the phone this year, right? <laughs> and I don't like the phone. <laughs> you know, there's, there's six and a half thousand phone calls there, right? Like it's not much fun. <laughs> You should be asking for an office in the Centrelink office and just saying, "Can I work? Can I work from your office?" And I'll just, uh, I'll just work out of, off your systems. Um, save me phoning in and taking up a a, a call center person. Correct. And it would be magic if that was the engagement, right? If it would be good if we could get some sort of engagement like that, where hey, we've got we're nominee for X many clients. If we can get a direct client to somebody in processing that can actually move stuff through, then that's fine because we're not asking stupid questions. You know, we're and that. And you'd think, I'm just trying this on, you'd think if it was, if I was running Centrelink, that would be a great thing because we would actually process a lot more and I would need less people. Correct. And it would be more efficient for everybody. But government yeah. and efficiency doesn't always um, doesn't always uh, add up together. Careful, they're listening. Yeah, of course Careful. they are. <laughs> well, they can hear you. They can hear you. Um, <laughs> tell us about the business itself. How's it grown over the, uh, the last sort of 12 or 18 months since it's really been? Good? Yeah, it's... It's growing probably a little bit stupidly. Um, the first three to four months, it was sort of like, yep, a couple of clients would come in now and again and accounts would phone me up. Now we've sort of been working and been concentrating on, hey, let's concentrate on advisors, accountants, lawyers, even just locally. And I've got some, we've got interstate ones as well. And it's growing rapidly, you know, and I've done some cheeky things 
Um, so my parents took off in a caravan to Tasmania uh, probably six months ago. And I turned around and said, here's a whole heap of flyers. Go and stick them up on every notice board <laughs> that you go past <laughs> on the way to Tasmania. And they've done it, right? And sure enough, we get phone calls now from Tasmania saying, hey, I saw your poster. Where are you based? Oh, we're based in Adelaide. Why is the poster up <laughs> on the ferry terminal going across to, um, I can't even think it is, Bruny Island? Yeah, Bruny Island. And literally clients have come in like that. Like it's it's incredible. So we've just been a little bit, not cheeky, but taking advantage. I think that's ingenious. That's not cheeky. That's great. That's a great little guerrilla marketing campaign. Yeah. So we've used that. I've done it with men laws as well and done got them to do the same thing. And with that, and we run a bit of Facebook advertising, you know, within, you know, that 18 month period, we've got clients in every state. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and and you're right, the Centrelink rules are the same around the country, uh, mostly, so long as they're not uh, local lockdowns, but uh, they're pretty much the same around the country. Correct. So it's not like you have to be limited to South Australia. No, and I think the other thing is as well, once clients know they're happy to use you, and I, I my theory was when I set this business up, oh, look, everyone will want to see you. Everyone will want to do, do it on video and, and away you go. And I've had two clients that have said, can we do a video call? I'm not sure. Most of, and it's probably more the older clients, most of the older clients, can we just do it on the phone? And away you go. You know, it's been yep. phone calls and hence the hours on the phone, but it's been phone calls. It hasn't been video. Locally, we get some people that come into the office and we've got some that just say, no, tell us what you need. We'll get it to you and away you go from there. Yeah, nice. And uh, of course, being location independent means that uh, you can take on staff from anywhere around the country. Correct. Yeah. So I've got somebody that does some work for me in state, which helps a lot. Um, they worked for Centrelink for a while, and that, that certainly helps, um, and that knowledge helps. And again, it, it, it's about building that that knowledge database. So when we do bring people on, I'm not worried about where people sit. I'd rather, you know, I was speaking to um, a BDM assistant the other day, and they said, look, if you're looking for CSOs or anything like that, just give them flexibility. Tell them they can work from home. Tell them they can be there. So long as the data security is there and all those other things, um, then it's fine. You don't need to be in the office. Yeah. You know, the office is good, but... If it's a deal breaker for somebody, then so be it. Yeah, predominantly if it's over the phone, then it could be anywhere. Um, and it's really interesting. And so I'm so I'm going to go on a limb here and say when you find somebody that's really good in Centrelink and they uh, want to get out of Centrelink, there's an opportunity Absolutely. for them. Yeah, with you. yeah, there's about 10 opportunities <laughs> here right now. <laughs> yes, yes. When you get hold of somebody good, but you still need some good people in Centrelink to, to, to be on the other end of the Absolutely. phone for you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So tell us about the future then. What is that? What's installed? Uh, have, have you thought about too far ahead? Are you looking in the next six months, or are you looking, you know, out into the into the wilderness? Yeah, the next twelve months we'll probably double again. Um, so I'll probably be bringing uh, next year. The aim is to put on another two staff, um, whether that's full time, part time. We'll wait and see, but that's probably where it needs to be, just with the level of stuff coming in, and it's probably expanding out and probably hitting some more of the accounting firms, some of the lawyers. Yep more targeted i guess you know into so will you will you be spending your time around um business development to, talking to, to to professionals and some of your time in sort of the complex assessment yep. places Absolutely. or is that, is that what you're yeah, thinking that's what i'm thinking um and that would be ideal yeah um i've got at the stage now where in a lot of cases we can generally assess whether a client's going to be eligible in 10 15 minutes on the phone you know they can tell us sort of relatively closely what they've got and we can do a quick calculation and say yes you're eligible okay let's get this done this done this done and then we'll interview you over the phone just taking away that interview just saves 45 minutes of my time 
it's better somebody else be doing that rather than me. It's good for the client interaction, but I've got to be realistic with it over the long term as well. Yeah. And so when the advisors work with you, do they just say, oh, can you ring this client? Or do they go through a situation and then get you to do the work and then come back to the client and say, here's where it's at? Yeah, a bit of both. So I've got some advisors. I had an advisor emailed me the other day and said, look, this client's just sold his business. What's he going to be eligible for? Can he get anything? Can you get a healthcare card? I said, yeah, yeah, we can get him a healthcare card. I said, but we could also put him on Job Seeker. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, if he's not working, he's not age pension age. I said, if he's happy to go and do some volunteering, then... We can put him on job seeker, and you could sort of hear the advisor and advisors like, "Oh, well, that'll save him thirteen grand a year drawing out of his super and allocated pensions." He's like, "Okay," so let me speak to the client, and I'll just send the client to you. He said, "We don't want to touch it. We don't want to do it." But if you're certain that's what it is, here's the phone number. Away you go. Um, I've yep. got other client, other advisors that say, "Look, can you just jump in so we can get access to their uh, their my, their online system?" In terms of through yep. uh, nominee access, we can get access to it. And they say, look, can you just jump in and fix this client or do this? You know, we'll give you most of the information. We'll tell the client that you're the person implementing it. And if you spend that time just interviewing the client or getting what you need from the client, we're happy. We're happy to take the ongoing updates and bits and pieces, but we just don't want to spend the time doing the claim. Yeah, and then we'll just invoice the advisor and not the client. Yeah, right. Okay, so they you just, you just uh, invoice the advisor. Advisor then um, makes that part of their. Yeah ongoing service or whatever it might be yeah yeah yeah. wonderful thank you uh kevin for coming on and chatting to us today if somebody wanted to continue the conversation what would be the best way for them Uh, to find you look flick me an email um kevin at pension services was probably the easiest one that com.au um pick up the mobile or the one three hundred number it's on the website so one um pensionservices.com.au and go from there but yeah first first instance email is usually pretty good because sometimes yeah i'm stuck on the phone to send a link Yeah, yeah, yeah. Email's always good. Or, or jump on LinkedIn yeah, as LinkedIn. well. You're on LinkedIn. Yep. You've you've got your um your your um all your details there. So, hey, thanks for coming and chatting to us. Uh, there's some amazing stories that uh, you and I have spoken about over time about uh, just some of the some of the outcomes that's been available for for clients. So I think it's something that and, and most advisors don't want to do it. So, uh, and and again, it makes a massive difference in the stress levels of of many many clients. Correct. So uh, appreciate it. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you very much.